We have some really special things planned for you guys today. Got a very nice gift for our men today. We've got a bunch of tools in a tote in the uh, entry area, and uh, so we have tools. So you have no excuse to not do that job that she told you you needed to do, because you're going to have the tools to do it. In fact, ladies, you may want to pick out which tool your husband needs today. There are screwdrivers, there are uh, multimeters, which I have no clue what to do with a multimeter, so those are great. Um, there are also tape measures. Now, I like tape measures. I took a tape measure because I, I, think, I think I need a tape measure in every room. You know, I think that would be really handy, just one in every, every room, maybe one in every drawer, because I'm constantly wondering where the tape measure is. I, I'm always looking for it. I, I, you know, your guys, I mean, they work hard, ladies. They do. They work really, really hard, and, you know, tools are serious business. However, when I lived in Hinesboro, uh, I discovered that when retractable tape measures first came out, one of the things the guys in Hinesboro did was they, they played with all of those very serious farmers and carpenters up there. They played with their tape measures, and they would go up to Cindy Webb's uh, father and uncle owned a garage up there where, I mean, that was the height of uh, civilization and society in Hinesboro, was going up to, going up to Buck and Pete's garage. And what the guys did was they would take their tape measures apart and tighten the spring on them. Let me just ask, has any man ever, here ever done that? Tightened up the spring on their, yeah, Dave's done it, and a few others come, you get, the rest of you have thought about it. But they would tighten the spring up on their tape measure, and then they would have races up there. They built a racetrack to, uh, to race their tape measures against each other, and they tore up a lot of tape measures and wasted a lot of time when the ladies thought they were out doing important stuff. The other day, Connor was walking around. I'd left my tape measure out. Connor found my tape measure. And so Connor was walking around just carrying my tape measure, and, and he had no idea what it was. I said, let me, let me show you. And so I, I had him hold on to the, the body of it, and I pulled, I pulled the tape out, got it out a little ways, and then let it go and jumped. And, and kind of was amazed that it did that. And then he started laughing, and then he signed more. We had to do that over and over again. And we'd get, it's a 25-foot tape measure so we got it clear across the house and he just thought that was great we had a blast and and I realized in that moment you know I may never get to show Connor how to use it as a tool which speaks as much to my ability as it does to his <laughs> but I showed him how to play with it and that's that's a very important thing because that's how we learn we learn by by working together we learn by playing together, by spending time together. That's why when we look at gather, grow, serve, gather comes first because it is very important that we spend that time together. We, we all begin by realizing that we are in this together. We are here to, to learn from each other. We have so much to offer each other, whether that's in the church or even in the family. Uh, we, when we place Christ at the center of those relationships, amazing things happen. And that's, it's, that is especially true in the family. And that's why Peter spends the opening verses of 1 Peter chapter 3 talking about family. These people were exiles. The people he's writing to, they were exiles. They had to leave their home countries. 
they were outcasts. They were not allowed back home. And so he writes to them um, to show them that the relationships that they have, their family relationships, those things matter. They are very important. They are important to them and their health together, the time they spend together. They are also important to God. You know, the time we spend together isn't just a matter of, of blessing. We had a great time Wednesday night with hymns and ice cream. You know, we sat in here and we sang some hymns for about 45 minutes, and then we went to the other room and we ate ice cream. And ice cream, it was all great. But the most important thing that happens in that time is we get to spend time together. We get to experience each other and, and bring those gifts to, to each other. It's a time of drawing closer to one another and in doing so, drawing closer to Christ. That's at the heart of Peter's call in this passage. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. If you're using the Bibles there in the pew, it's page 1015. I encourage you to follow along. Peter says, likewise, wives, he addresses the wives first, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And likewise, husbands, Live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I always wonder when I read passages like this, when I get stuff thrown at me. The ladies might throw things at me when I read passages like this. And, you know, this is one of those passages that we struggle with because. In our modern 21st century society, much of this passage sounds a little backwards, sounds a little misogynistic. Guys, if you don't know what misogynistic means, ask your wives. Uh, they have better vocabularies than you. They can, they can help you out with that word. Um, and I'm just going to ask that all that stuff that makes us bristle in this passage, if it's something that makes us bristle, let's just see past that because I want you to see the heart of Peter's desire in this passage. The heart of his desire is that people would know Christ, that people would come to know Christ, that families would come to know Christ. And so beyond everything else, Peter is telling us here that Christ must have the priority in your relationships. And there is no place where that's more true or more difficult than in the home with those who are closest to you. But Christ must have the priority in our relationships for, for several reasons. First of all, what Peter is telling us is that Christ must have the priority for the salvation of others. That's, that's where Peter begins. And ladies, I want you to hear that. Peter is not saying submit for the sake of submission. Peter is not saying submit for the sake of submission. He's not saying the man is the head of the house. His word is final. You know, you, you better... Get on board with that. That's not what Peter is saying at all. Rather, he's drawing us to Christ. He's drawing us to salvation. Now, 
As far as society went in Peter's day, the man's word was final. <laughs> as far as society went, the man ruled the roost. Right? I mean, the man set the tone for the family. Where the family was going to live, what the family was going to do, what their occupation was going to do, the man chose that. Uh, and the man was the one who chose where and how and what the family was going to worship. The man made the spiritual decisions for the family. Peter's message to those good Christian women who made up the church from the very beginning, his message to those good Christian women was, you have a voice. You have a voice in how your family worships. You have God-given input into your family's worship, and what Peter's saying is, here's how you do it. Now, I really think this is something we've seen from the very beginning. I mean, if we go back all the way to Adam and Eve and, and the fall, uh, you know, it's Eve that deceives Adam. It's Eve that has this influence over Adam. And, and I think, guys, if we were going to admit, I mean, I'm going to out us here. We listen. We really do. I mean, we may not hear everything, but we do listen. Don't laugh. We do. We listen. We listen to the important stuff. We, we hear you. And, and more than that, more than just hear you, we see we're visual. We see things. And, and that's Peter's point. It's not what men hear. It's what we see. And so he says in the second half of verse 1, he says, wives, be subject to your husbands so that, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. That's so that right there. That's the purpose of Peter's writing. That's why he's writing this. So that they might be one, that's the point. That's for his point of calling for submission so that they might be one. And that's the purpose that we live for. That's, that's what we do. This. That's why we do this. That's, that's the purpose that we live for, to win others to Christ. We talk about winning people to Christ. A lot of times we talk about evangelism. That's the big word that we use. When we talk about winning people for Christ, we talk about evangelism. In the old days, we would have these evangelism campaigns, evangelistic campaigns, and we would have, we'd have revival meetings. In the old days, you know, people would come to revival meetings night after night after night, and ladies would talk their husbands into coming to revival meetings, and their husbands would get here, and they'd get them saved, finally get that man saved, you know? And, and then we'd have camp meetings. We'd send our kids off to camp. It's an evangelistic thing. Uh, we're going to send them off, and we're going to get them saved. What Peter is reminding us is the greatest evangelistic event that we've got is godly praying Christian women. The greatest evangelistic event we have is the home. And if it's not happening there in the home, all the revivals and all the camp meetings you want are not going to work. Back in 1992, it was a long time ago, a guy named John Finney did some research. And he wrote a book called Finding Faith Today. How does it happen? And in that book, Finney writes this, while men believe we have the dominant role in the family, and ladies, thank you for letting us believe that, you know, while men believe they have the dominant role in the family, it is unlikely that unbelieving wives will be converted through believing husbands. doesn't say it's impossible, but he says it is unlikely that unbelieving wives will be converted through believing husbands. Rather, 
unbelieving husbands are more likely to be converted through believing wives. Guys, I want you to hear that. Your Christian wife's deepest desire is that you would know Christ. Beyond taking out the garbage, beyond painting the house, her greatest desire is that you would know Christ. That verse there at the end of verse 6, Peter says to the ladies, he says, As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Guys, the, the thing that frightens your wife the most is not that spider in the corner up on the wall. You know, the thing that frightens your wife the most is not that you're going to lose your job and you're going to lose your home. The thing that frightens her most is that she might spend eternity without you. That frightens her the most. That's what she prays about. That's her deepest desire. When your wife shares her prayer requests with her friends, number one on her prayer request is you. Ladies, I want to encourage you, don't give up hope. Some of them are hard-headed. We know. Love them anyway. Don't give up hope. God has equipped you to win them for Christ. That is exactly what Peter is saying here. God has equipped you to do this. So Christ must have priority in our relationships. First of all, for the salvation of others, but also for the strengthening of your faith. Now, if you look at the end of this passage, we're looking at seven verses here. Verses 1 through 6 are addressed to wives. They're addressed to the women. Um, and then verse 7, one verse is addressed directly to husbands. Well, why on earth do the wives get six verses and the men only have one verse? I mean, you know, if you're going to make sense of it, Peter should have at least repeated verse 7 three or four times because we never hear you the first time. You know, we, we need that drilled into our head. But I think the reason why 1 through 6 is a challenge to women is because the women were going to have to overcome the social and cultural barriers to win their husbands to Christ. And so verse 7 comes in, and what 7 is, is 7 is Peter calling men to do what they should have been doing all along. Peter's calling men to be obedient to what they should be doing all along. He says in verse 7, Likewise, and I want you to notice he begins with likewise. Well, like, like what? Well, it corresponds with verse 1 with the wife's conduct. Verse 7, the likewise corresponds with the call to, the, to godly conduct for the women in verse 1. So likewise, in the same way, he says, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Here the focus isn't just coming to faith, but growing in faith. Coming to understand exactly who you are, ladies, in Christ. And, and you understanding who you are in Christ begins with us understanding who you are in Christ. With us living with you in an understanding way. And understanding who you are in Christ. He centers this on showing honor to the wife. And we've, we've seen that before when it talks about showing honor. Back in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Honor everyone. That is especially true of the wife. Do you remember how we defined honor in that passage back there? We defined honor as the recognition of the value each person has 
because they have been created in the image of God. Let me repeat that. Honor is the recognition of the value each person has because they have been created in the image of God. It's not the value that they have because of what they can do for you. It's not the value they have because, because well, that, that's your wife and, and she, she has value because she's attached to you. It's the inherent value that God created them with because they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now you realize this was a totally new concept to them. Heirs with you? Women were not heirs. You know, the, the, the heir was the son, the oldest son, got everything. You know, that was the way it worked. The, the daughters got nothing. Women got nothing in that society. This is a totally new concept. And the call for men in Peter's day was to make sure that women never forgot that they were heirs with them, that the women understood that they were heirs together through the way you treat them, through the way you partner with them, through the way you work alongside them in the church. Let them know that they are valued. Let them know that they are a blessing. Christ must have priority in our relationships. That's not just for the benefit of those relationships with each other, though. It's also for your relationship with the Father. Christ must have priority in our relationships because of your relationship with your heavenly Father. It's an interesting and kind of odd little mention, but but there it is at the end of of verse 7. Verse 7 again, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of God, or grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. It kind of sounds like if you don't treat your wife right, God's not going to answer your prayers. And that's, that's just what it sounds like at the beginning, but let me make this clear. What it's really saying is if you don't treat your wife right, God's not going to answer your prayers. That's really what he's saying. And, you know, there's, this isn't the only passage that's like this. It also, if we go back to the Psalms in Psalm 66, verse 18, the psalmist says, If I had hidden sin in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. If I hide sin in my heart, the Lord can't hear me. If we're going to hide sin in our heart, probably the first person we're going to hide it from is our spouse, is that person who is closest to us. If there is a problem in this relationship with our spouse, if it is not an honest relationship, if it's not an open where we can discuss things, and if it's not a forgiving relationship, then why would we ever expect our relationship with God to work? And maybe the bigger point for us is what if what if all of those frustrations that we have spiritually What if those times when we just don't feel connected to God, we don't feel connected to the church? What about those those frustrations we have? What What if those spiritual frustrations are really a reflection of our frustrations with other people? What if they're really a reflection of other people's frustrations with us? What if those times when faith feels empty and dry, What if the first place we looked was those most important relationships, our relationship with our spouse? Those relationships that are supposed to be nurturing and building up, those relationships that are supposed to provide strength and honor, what if we took a look at those and we asked, is that taking place? Am I strengthening that person? Am I blessing that person? Am I honoring that person? Am I being the God-given spouse I'm supposed to be? 
And do I have any reason to expect God to treat me better than the way I treat the person who I'm supposed to love the most? Do I have any reason to expect God to treat me better than the way I treat someone I'm supposed to love with my whole heart? And let me just say it this way. How on earth is God supposed to hear us when we can't hear each other? How on earth is God supposed to hear us when we can't hear each other? That's, that's harsh. That kind of feels like a slap in the face, maybe. Let me turn it around. Your first and your best hope for communication with God is your communication with your best friend. Your first and best hope for communication with God is your communication with your best friend. The way you love them, the way you bless them, will draw you closer to your heavenly Father. Verses 1 and 2, Peter says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their, lives, of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. One of the joys I have in, I guess, coming to church later in life. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I became a Christian when I was 16, but I really didn't start coming to church until I was maybe 14 or 15, somewhere in, in that area. So a lot of these scriptures that many of you grew up with, you, you've just heard them all your life. You know, I remember the first time I ever read Isaiah 53 and that incredible picture of Christ, and he was pierced for our transgressions. And I, I highlighted the entire chapter, and I thought I was the first person who had ever read it. I thought, does anyone else know about this? This is incredible. I remember the first time I ever heard those two verses. Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. I remember the first time I ever heard that scripture. The first time I ever heard it, it was read to me by my sister, Camille. She read those words to me. And... Uh, and I remember that that's been about 30 years ago. I mean, and I don't remember the story exactly. Um, I think maybe you know, she'd been in a Bible study with um, Leela Cook, maybe. That's the way I kind of remember it. And Camille was, Camille was praying for Ronnie over there. And her Bible just kind of fell open, if I remember right. And she, we said, she said, that's, that's it right there. That was what I was praying about, and there it is. And, and it impacted her as a way to kind of reach her husband. That was 30 years ago. And, and 30 years ago, my brother-in-law, Ronnie, over there, Ronnie wouldn't have been here. You know, Ronnie was, I don't know, he's sleeping in or something? Probably sleeping in. He wouldn't have been here. And so slowly, over three decades, he came to church more and more. Now, you know, Ronnie serves. He doesn't just show up. He does stuff. He walks down the aisle. He'll hand you communion, you know, and he'll take your money. comes offering time. He does all of that. And a big part of, of that change over three decades has been Camille's uh, persistence. Uh, not nagging, no, but that, that persistent example that she has set, her example of, of her obedience to what she saw in this passage. And to be honest, that's the only thing that's going to work with a hard-headed person like my brother-in-law. You know, that's the only thing that's going to get him to start coming to church. Because uh, Ronnie, Ronnie is a quiet man. Really, no, he's a quiet guy. He's a very quiet man. He keeps to himself. He... Uh, very private. He's not big on he's not big on showing us. Ronnie is one of those guys who doesn't want to be the center of attention. And so what Camille doesn't know yet is 
the last Monday night while she was on a trip with her daughters. Ronnie and I met here, and uh, my brother-in-law, my brother, said yes to Jesus and gave himself to Christ in baptism last Monday night. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I hope you're applauding for, uh, you really need to be applauding for me because he's a big guy and I got him down and back up all by myself. And uh, <laughs> it was an amazing, uh, blessed time. Um, and somehow, how do you begin to explain that 30 years ago, 30 years, by the way, Camille is, your birthday is a week from Tuesday. You're crying now. <laughs> Her birthday is a week from Tuesday, and it will be 30 years ago, Tuesday, that you got baptized. I remember because it was a year and a half after I got baptized, and we were baptized in the old church in the same water, <laughs> a year and a half apart. <laughs> I always think about that. That's the same water I had. We don't do that anymore. We change it. We have a filter for that. You pick up old sins if you're not careful. Thirty years of praying. Thirty years ago, she shared that Scripture with me. And thirty years later, my Bible falls open to that passage to preach this week. I didn't plan that. I had no idea that was going to happen. It just, it just fell together. Isn't that incredible how God worked God works that out. 30 years of praying. 30 years of living it out. 30 years of walking in obedience to the, to the Word of God. I just ask the rest of you to take a good look at your life. Listen to your deepest prayer for the person you love the most. Don't give up. Take a look at the deepest prayer you have for the person you love the most. Don't give up hope. What will it take for the love of God to break through into their lives? It's been an interesting week this week. We've actually had two baptisms so far, and there are two more today. So uh, John Stewart came this week, came, out, came back home to his roots, and um, John just said, you know, there's something missing. There's something I need to do. And he wanted to come home and be baptized where his wife had been baptized, where his daughter had been baptized, in a place that meant so much to the family. So Friday afternoon, we had a little party, and we had a little, little baptism. So there were two baptisms this week. We're going to have two more baptisms today. Let me just say right now, at least two more baptisms. The, the, the baptistry is full. <laughs> and it's warm. Nice and warm. And uh, it's ready to go. And if today is the day when you finally say, when you've decided, I want to say yes to Jesus, I want to take that step, we would be so glad to honor that today and to welcome you also. We'd be very honored to, uh, to be able to share that time with you also. We're going to sing a song here in a moment. And a couple people are going to come. If you want to come too, if you just need us to pray for you, uh, we would love to do that. Let's stand together.